The first Tuesday of every month when the Reserve Bank meets to consider interest rates is beginning to feel like Groundhog Day. The RBA is widely expected to increase the cash rate to 3.6% on Tuesday and there's potentially two more to go. That's despite growing evidence that the economy is weakening and households are burning through any financial buffers they once had. RN Breakfast, Tim Skelton joins me in the studio. Tim, good morning. More pain on the horizon. What are we expecting tomorrow? Good morning, PK. So we are expecting the RBA to lift the cash rate by another 25 basis points to a new record high. Inflation may well have peaked, but it is still well above the RBA's target range and it's not coming down fast enough. So we've had a a raft of economic data out in the last couple of weeks, which gives us a much clearer snapshot of the economy. And there is growing evidence the economy is weakening on the demand side. Household savings are falling. The ratio of household savings fell for the fifth straight quarter. In fact, so that buffer is being reduced. Last week, we also saw December quarter GDP come in lower than expected. Retail sales were up, but if we go back to the GDP numbers, we see a lot of the growth in spending was driven by spending on food, hotels, cafes and restaurants, transport services. Now, that coincides with a fairly strong return in temporary migration. That's tourism, people on working holiday visas, people on student visas. I spoke to EY Oceania's chief economist, Sherelle Murphy. She says there's growing evidence that that represents spending from temporary migration, which has come back quite strongly. Another thing that's become obvious in the national accounts is that a lot of the growth that we're seeing uh, in the economy is actually coming from new people entering the country. So, you know, whether they be new migrants or tourists or holidaymakers, they're actually responsible for some of this spending. Now, the Reserve Bank will will see that um, and it will be very aware of the fact that the areas of consumption that are strong, things like accommodation, cafes, restaurants, are not reflective of the whole economy and not reflective of everyone in the economy. So, they have to put that, I guess, that population lens on what's going on as well. And that means that the economy is running a bit slower than the headline numbers would have you believe if you do on a per capita basis. So I think, you know, that will, that's a fact that won't go past the Reserve Bank and it will give them some comfort that the rate hikes are working. EY Oceania Chief Economist Sherelle Murphy there. So, Tim, federal government policy settings right now are neutral. Are those the right policy settings? Well, PK, this was one of the questions that was put to the RBA Governor Phil Lowe during Senate estimates a few weeks ago, the question of should government settings be contractionary? Should they be, you know, cutting spending, trying to take money out of the economy? Government spending on everything from wages to NDIS payments, infrastructure, medicines, vaccines, um, all kind of known as government consumption makes up about 27% of GDP. Now, this gives government spending huge sway over the economy and it means the government is putting a lot of money into the economy. Here's Sherelle Murphy again. On the point about this sort of stimulus coming from the government sector, that still stands. So again, we saw in the most recent figures that the um, government, what we call government consumption, so everything from payments on the NDIS to medicines through the PBS, um, uh, vaccines, um, government wages, everything is still adding up to more than 27% of GDP when you add on also government investment. It's a lot. It means that the government has a lot of power to sway the economy. Um, And 
that means at the moment it's putting a lot of money into the economy when the Reserve Bank is trying to take it out. So, you know, there is definitely an argument to say that fiscal policy should be tighter. Um, and this applies both across the Commonwealth and the state and local governments too. So that's EY Oceania's Chief Economist, Sheryl Murphy, there. And PK, the point she was making there about state government spending, I think, is really a really important one. So obviously, um, you know, these questions about policy settings are really front of mind for the federal government as it crafts, um, you know, its first four-year budget. But state government spending, you know, um, it's falling in some of the larger states like Victoria because temporary pandemic support measures are coming off, but it's still very high in relative terms. You know, in the New South Wales election campaign, we've seen the usual large infrastructure funding commitments for roads, for hospitals. Private sector wage growth has been, you know, higher than public sector wage growth because of wage caps in states like New South Wales and a federal level that's pulled down overall wage growth. But Labor plans to lift the state's public sector wage cap if it wins government. hasn't actually said how it will pay for that. So all of that has got the potential to be quite inflationary. So I think there are some really important questions and decisions here for state governments if they're not going to make things worse. Thank you for your um, piece and explanation, Tim. Thank you very much. Tim Skelton there. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app. Hello again, podcasters. Just wanted to mention, if you're looking for more stories that help explain economics in a way that us non-economists can understand, I recommend The Money. Give it a try. It's easy to find on the ABC Listen app.